Hello, and welcome to the One Thing Podcast, where we all get to usher in a new age of humanity. And if you're new to our podcast, welcome. And when we talk about this new age of humanity, we're talking about something called homo spiritus, which if you stick with us, you'll soon discover what we mean when we talk about that. And we're also just inviting each of us as human beings, part of a collective called humanity, to practice dancing with the one thing that individuals, communities, and countries have yet to try and mass. And we suspect that's important. So the last, um, let's see here, the, the one thing, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> That one thing, I, I missed my line here. <laughs> that one thing is the connection to the higher self part of ourselves, which is actually um, our true self-anatomy. It's, it's a part of our anatomy that we don't actually get taught very well about. And people call it by all kinds of various different names. It's, you know, we can say spirit, we can say nature, we can say love. It, it you pick whatever way you want to address that energy, but it's that energy that we are not disconnected from. And our prime directive as a human being above all else is to make and constantly return to this one thing connection day in and day out as our first step in dealing with any kind of a problem um, rather than thinking about solving the problem on our own and separately from our connection to the source of all life. So in this episode, we'll offer ways to increase your access to higher love, wisdom, and power through this one thing connection. Exactly. And where we want to start off with is just to acknowledge and make sure everyone recognizes that every philosophical, religious, and spiritual path speaks to this in their own particular ways. And what we're going to be going through is kind of the universal version of this, that you can plug this content into whatever your chosen discipline, path, um, philosophical, religious, or spiritual orientation you have. Exactly. And, you know, for you, that might mean formal meditation for another, it might mean sitting at the base of a tree. And we, we want to say that you don't actually need an intercessory between your heart and the heart of the source of all life. Um, you know, we've been, we've grown up with houses of worship and meditation practices that encourage, you know, specific times of the day or week to connect with the one thing. But we're inviting you to consider that this connection is better nurtured breath by breath and moment by moment, rather than just, you know, going to church for a week or sitting for 10 minutes in meditation in the morning, if we're lucky, <laughs> we're inviting you to consider how can you weave this connection in all throughout your day so it feels natural and normal, because it is, and you know, when we talk about homo spiritus, this is what we're saying. This is the, this is the human being that has direct access to the source of life and is living in constant and direct communion with, you know, the source of life. We are extensions of that life force. And when we're doing that more of us, more often, we tip the scales in favor of good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'll add a little bit about the notion of intercessors for 
those of our listeners who don't come from a path where where that that exists. So an intercessor in certain religious and spiritual traditions is a revered person or a person who is ordained uh, who uh, who is the intermediary between the everyday person and God or higher wisdom or whatever that that religious or spiritual path refers to as that that higher um, higher love and wisdom. And so traditionally in, for example, Christianity, there was an intercessor. So you went to your priest or minister or pastor, pastor. or um, whoever, whoever, whatever that role was called in, in that particular denomination in order to get forgiveness or in order to um, uh, ensure that a prayer got answered or things along those lines. Or confess that, a sin. Yes, that's what an intercessor is for those of you unfamiliar with that. Uh, and what Lori and I understand about the age of Homo Spiritus, the the age that we're in, where we're evolving beyond the old notions of Homo sapiens, is that we humans are in training to live in a perpetual state of direct connection to love and wisdom. Uh, it and that developing that state of direct connection to love and wisdom, uh, being able to call upon it at will is a muscle. It's it's a it requires muscle building practice to stay constantly connected with higher love and wisdom. Yeah, exactly. And and it's okay if you find that hours or days have gone by where you're not connected. The, the idea, as David just said, is just to come back to connection. Um, you know, just just whenever you notice that you are disconnected. And the the thing about the higher wisdom and love is that it's embedded in the body. <laughs> it's in the electrons of the masses of trillions of cells that we have. Most of us, especially in a Western culture, really like to live in our head. And we've talked about this before in, in other episodes, but there's nothing wrong with our head and our mind and our intellect, but we can't leave the body out. We, being embodied is where we access this higher wisdom and this higher love. And in fact, in our heart, and this is true for every single human being, there is a, there is a spark of light in our, in our heart. You know, our hearts are electric organs, right? They're very electric and electrons that carry our spark of light is similar to the energies of the heart, if you will. And what else is thought, not, not thought, what else is considered in, in our heart is something called the triple flame. And this triple flame is, is, is a flame we could say, but with, with slightly different qualities to them. And one of the qualities is love. And one of the qualities is wisdom. And the other quality is power or activity. And, you know, don't get too freaked out about the word power, because, you know, we're also brainwashed with abuse of power and abdication of power. And really what the, the power from the heart flame means is right action. So 
whether you know about this triple flame or not, it's just something uh, to be introduced to or to revisit or to activate in yourself if you, if if it isn't something that's new, and um, and and live there, <laughs> I guess is what I would say. Go there often, and drop yourself into your body often, and. You know, it's it's thought that the fleur de lis—that's that symbol uh, out, out of France. Um, and if you're Francophiles like David and I, you, you might know this. <laughs> but you could look it up. The fleur de lis—it's a lovely symbol. You'll recognize it once you see it, and it's everywhere. And that F -L is spelling is F L E U R. Yeah. And the next word is de D E, and then lis is L I S. That's right. And that is a symbol of the triple flame. So um, the history on that symbol and, and all of that is, is quite interesting. But for now, just know that that's something that you can visually look at and explore what the triple flame means. You can Google it and, um, you know, dive in as far as you want, but it, it lives in you. And we're asking you to um, ask your higher self to show you how to live in that place and to activate that flame. Mm hmm and so what we're going to be going through with you in the heart of this episode is uh, some very specific steps that we're recommending that you start practicing in the spirit of, of strengthening, strengthening this muscle for accessing higher love and wisdom and divine power. Um, and those steps that we're going to unpack bit by bit are spot, uh, surrender, ask, and back check. So the spot step is about how to spot when you're accessing, uh, when you're, I'm sorry, when you're not accessing higher love, wisdom, and impact, power, action. Uh, and any time that we're in a state of fear, tension, stress, anxiety, worry, confusion, or arrogant know-it-allness, uh, anytime we're in any of those types of states, those symptoms are meant to be cues from our higher wisdom that we're not accessing higher wisdom. So instead of getting wigged out when we're in any of those states, to simply get good at recognizing, oh, I'm in that state. I'm in, in a state of not connected with higher love, power, and wisdom. And so that's the first step, because if you can't spot, when I can't spot when I'm disconnected, I don't have a way of recognizing that there are steps that are important for me to take immediately before I continue doing whatever it is that I'm doing or saying whatever it is that I'm saying. Right. And I would even uh, amend the, a little bit that the, these feelings of tension, worry, stress, you know, th these spot check, these spot things are, they're actually not from our higher wisdom as much as they're from our own choice, our own usually choices that we make from our head. And because of the disconnection, you know, things go, it's like putting your hand in a flame on a stove. It's not the stove. That's, you know, uh, the problem it's, it's the fact that you put your hand in the flame and we, you know, we learn quite fast early on that that's not the thing to do. So, um, 
but the messages of stress, fear, worry, anxiety, that's, that is the message that we're disconnected from our, our source of life. And for me, that message always feels like it comes from higher love. It's like, uh-huh. uh, it's not that higher love is generating those feelings, but higher love is saying to me, look, you're feeling these feelings. You're out of connection. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I don't, I know I have it a different way, but it's all good. It doesn't matter because yeah. we, we get there the same, we're going to get. And to that's the, same the important place. thing is you and I are now articulating two different variations and uh, hopefully between these two variations, almost everyone who's listening will spot themselves. Yeah. In one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so the next step after spotting and, and there's a, there's a, a split second when you, you know, in our, in our mind and in our, our choice, I call it a choice point where we, and this takes practice too. Like this is the first thing to ask yourself to notice and practice. And, um, sometimes you'll catch it and sometimes you won't, it's like, Oh, I feel stress or, Oh, I, and then in that split second, we have take a breath, take a pause and surrender the way you think the thing that's happening me, what it means to you, right? It, give it over to your high, say, you know, even say things I, this is what I do. I'll say things to my higher self, like, oh, here's a, here's a spot where I'm really, um, you know, all tied up around this thing. You know, can you help me see this in a, in a, through the eyes of love, really see, help me see it the way you see it. And if I, if I'm really in a really twisted place. I don't always want to ask to be seen, to see it through the eyes of love. Cause that feels like a little bit too far of a reach, but I asked to see my next step in the direction of moving towards love. Um, and, and that, you know, that in, in the course in miracles, if you're familiar at all with that, uh, with that pathway, I suppose you could call it is, um, is this is asking the Holy spirit to, to show you what's true about this moment, this situation. Right. And I'll piggyback directly on that uh, because my way of surrendering, my way of seeing is actually very tied to, in its wording, to a section in, a, in the text of A Course in Miracles that if you're familiar with it, you'll, you'll spot it at, uh, toward the beginning of chapter 30 of the text, um, which is, I don't like how I feel. That simple. I don't like how I feel. Therefore, I'm not seeing through the eyes of higher love and wisdom right now in this moment. And for me, when I am able to spot that I'm feeling um, out of sorts, and when I'm able to surrender my way of seeing by by acknowledging that I don't like uh, like how I feel and that that means that I'm out of connection. That automatically opens me up into surrendering, into uh, into um, being receptive to another way. And so what that does then is that it leads us into the third step, which is to when we're ready. And Lori is exactly right in saying that sometimes I'm far enough away from higher love and wisdom that I've got to take little steps back to opening up. Um, 
when I'm ready, though, the next step is asking how higher love and wisdom sees whatever the situation is, whether it's an internal state or an external circumstance or what, another person or whatever it is, uh, a political situation, a societal situation, doesn't matter. But to ask how higher love and wisdom sees this instead of my disconnected way of seeing it. And I have uh, I have one very simple way of asking, and I have one slightly more um, that has a, has a couple steps to it, but it's also pretty simple. My favorite request for help is a four-letter word. Help, H-E-L-P, very simple. And when I utter that internally, I uh, it's my way of acknowledging that I'm ready to ask how higher love and wisdom sees that situation. The other method that I use is Ho'oponopono. For those of you who are unfamiliar with that, it's this very specific four-step process from Puna tradition, the Hawaiian indigenous um, tradition, uh, which is basically about um, about acknowledging that uh, that I I must be seeing in uh, unhelpful ways, uh, and where I uh, I forgive myself for having uh, for not seeing in helpful ways, uh, and I open up to uh, to seeing differently, and then I step into gratitude for seeing through the eyes of love and wisdom again. And uh, this is not, this episode, we're not doing a training in Ho'oponopono. So I'm simply describing what's accomplished in the four steps of Ho'oponopono. Uh, Ho'oponopono. And um, I'm, I'm going to spell that for those of you who aren't familiar with it so that you can look it up if uh, if you want to. And then maybe you'll want to say more, Lori, or or just go into your way. But the way that Ho'oponopono is spelled is H-O apostrophe O apostrophe Pono Pono, P-O-N-O, P-O-N-O. Yeah, that's that is a good one. Ho'oponopono. There's there's a there's some interesting stories about how um the speaking of those words, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you, are how they change energy. And that's true of even chanting. So I have, I have a, a little bit of a toolkit that I draw on depending on what I need. I do find chanting to be incredibly um, uh, energy transforming. It, it, you know, it, there's chance that will break up hard energy that I might be carrying. And then there's also chance that just sort of more softly keep me in a connected space. Um, but it always involves this, this asking, it always involves me checking in with my higher self, my higher presence. And sometimes I'll explain the situation out loud if I, if it isn't too, you know, disturbing to anyone else, uh, maybe even in a written form and then asking for guidance or help or, um, you know, to be shown what what's true and what's right about the situation. The smaller the situations, the quicker it goes, the larger and more, you know, 
uh, impactful the situations, the more time that I tend to take. I also do creative process around some of those larger ones because I find th that to be um, a direct connection to higher presence and to solutions and getting past the subconscious mind and, and accessing aspects of myself that I can't do in any other way. Mm -hmm. And I also use writing, especially if if my simpler methods don't uh, don't kind of click me out of that distressed state. And right. very often when I'm writing from my self-righteousness, I will write in my dominant hand, which in my case being left-handed is my left hand. And then when I am opening to um, higher love and wisdom, I will switch and write with my non-dominant hand, which in my case is my right hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so those are just some suggestions. You can take what resonates, leave what doesn't. Um, and then when we want to back check with our higher guidance, I always feel that in my body. So when there's a there's a problem, um, when thing when I'm seeing something not according to love, or if I uh, if I'm stuck or disconnected, I feel it as a tension in my in my gut area, my, you know, just below my heart center, um, solar plexus to be exact. And then when, when I ask, and when I, you know, request guidance and wisdom to show me, I always know if when it's the right thing, even if it's just the one next step is when I feel a sort of an opening or relaxation in that, in that gut area. Um, I trust that implicitly because over the years when I've gone against it, I've learned that I should have not done that. <laughs> and that when I go with it, when I go with a lightness, I call it light or tight. So either it's really tight and that's not the choice I'd want to make, or it's really light. And that is the choice I'd want to make. And it has always been nothing less than very well-serving. So. Mm -hmm. And in back checking, if you take nothing more from this section than what Lori just said, it's more than enough in my opinion, because that, that, uh, the body doesn't lie. That the body sense. doesn't lie. The wisdom in the body is, is huge. Yeah. Um, and what I'll do is just add on some, some optional kind of sort of cognitive things, thinking oriented things, but, but the answers to the questions that I'm going to put out really are ones that my body says, yeah, that clicks that I have a felt sense shift or I don't where mm -hmm. my body says, no, that's, that's not quite it. So the two questions that I ask myself are um, about uh, the two questions I ask about higher love and wisdom are, first of all, is this guidance that seems to be higher guidance? Is it more loving than me? And the second is, is this guidance wiser than me? And I use this all of the time when I'm writing, when I'm writing books and things like that. If what is coming off of my fingertips when I'm writing is not smarter than I am, it's not more loving than I am, it's not wiser than I am, I delete. I, it, I toss it in the trash. Uh, if, it's, if, it's not, if it's not more loving and wiser than me, it's not worth communicating in a book, right? when I'm in yeah. author mode. So those are two questions that I ask about higher love and wisdom. And the questions that I ask myself about higher power, uh, the, the 
divine power, love and wisdom-based impact and action is, um, is, is really about what do I do with the guidance that I've gotten? And again, my body is, is the arbiter of that. But I ask the question, is this guidance for me to know, but not share? Is it for me to know so I can be more helpful, but not necessarily to put it into words to someone else? Or is it for me to share? And if it's for me to share, if I get the, the body check, the body felt sense that says, oh, yes, this is for me to share, then my follow-up question is, is the time to do that sharing now or later? Right. So um, that's great. Yeah, those are those are good questions. And then if you want to double check, you know, because <laughs> you might get a very clear felt sense in your body, but then of course the mind will want to jump in and say, well, yeah, but are you sure that what, you know, and have all kinds of reasons why it should be listened to more than the uh, wisdom in the trillions of cells in our body, <laughs> which add up to be quite quite profound, um, then you can just take a step in the direction that you think you're being guided in. And, you know, you'll, you'll know early on if that was the right step or not, you know, I, and, or maybe you're not sure, maybe you can't get a clear read on your guidance, then just take that step in the direction that you think is the best step for you to take. And our guidance often, uh, drops itself in when we're actually in the action, when we're in the step taking action part of it. Um, I think that I think that guidance works in tandem with action. And I think that human minds want everything to be laid out in this beautiful, you know, mapped out colorful way. And we I haven't, that's not my experience that we get it that way. I get I get usually a next step, maybe a little inkling of the step beyond that, but usually it's just the next step. So being in action is what activates the guidance oftentimes. And so you just want to avoid that trap of, you know, staying stuck and not taking any steps or not moving toward anything because you're waiting for some magical, you know, um, thing that drops into you and gives you a perfectly safe way of taking that step. That's not usually how it works in my experience. We don't get things don't, things aren't perfect for us to be able to make our move. They're just enough. And then we have to make our move. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I completely uh, agree with you. And um, before I say what, what uh, a couple of other methods for this, I realize I want to share briefly part of why this whole notion of back-checking guidance is so important to me. This got really driven home to me decades ago when I first started working with, assisting, mentoring um, people with incredible uh, psychic or intuitive gifts and where the people that I was assisting were not realizing that when they would get the download, if you will, of, of intuitive information, that they were, they were interpreting or sifting that information through their own preconceptions. And then what came out of their mouths was actually a distortion of the guidance without them knowing it. 
And what I discovered, what I found in working with those folks was that the missing piece for them that made all the difference in the world in being able to really maximize the helpfulness of their gifts was this practice of back-checking, of double-checking the answers to make sure that they weren't superimposing their own preconceptions on top of the guidance itself. So I just wanted to add that yeah, context. And um, so in addition, uh, if, if, if you happen to be familiar with an approach called focusing, uh, it's a specific name of a, of a specific method developed by Eugene Gendlin, G-E-N-D-L-I-N, the late Gene Gendlin. Uh, if, you're, uh, if you have exposure to focusing or, or you're trained in focusing, uh, then look for the presence or absence of what in focusing is called the felt sense shift. Because when we get information inside ourselves if we pay attention to our bodily felt sense the way that Lori's talking about we're going to notice that our body reacts in one of three ways if our body reacted in words but it's actually a bodily felt sense but the the verbalization of that if i put it into language the body either reacts with a shift that says oh yes that's on target. That fits. That, that's it, right? Or our body reacts with a sense of, it's in the right ballpark. It's in the right direction, but it's not yet a full bullseye. Or our body reacts with a sense of, yeah, nice tray, no cigar. That's not it. And so if you have a background in focusing, be looking for the quality of that felt sense. Is it on target? Is it in the right ballpark, but not quite it yet? Or was it, did it sound good on paper, but it's not really true and useful? Okay. Yeah. And if I could insert one thing, a lot of times when people first start doing this kind of thing, especially with the, this relationship with the body's wisdom, it's a little, it's a little scary. So I would just recommend that you start with things that don't have high consequences, right? Like what color shirt are you going to wear today? You know, that, that kind of thing, because it'll teach you those more simple requests of the wisdom of your body, you know, like what's the best lunch to prepare, you know, it'll, it, that wisdom will teach you these feelings, these bullseye, not quite bullseye. No, you're, you're, you're not, you're cold. <laughs> you're not warm, that kind of thing. And, and then you'll learn your own system. And that's invaluable to have, especially if you are willing to build it up over the rest of your life. I'm so glad that you added that. That's so important. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the other method that I want to make sure that those of you who are familiar with it know that you can use it to do, do this kind of back checking as well, is if you are trained in in self-muscle testing, kinesiological testing. If, if you don't know what muscle testing is, don't worry about it. But if, if that's something that you have a background in, then if you're, if you're accomplished with self-muscle testing, use that to back check the accuracy of what seems to be higher guidance. If you're uncertain, if you, if you don't get a good read from your body, or if you have a read from your body and you're going, oh, can I really trust this or not? If, you're, if you have 
good training and self-muscle testing, use that as a back-checking method too. Yeah, good idea. And you can also use a pendulum if you have any experience with a pendulum. It's the same general idea. It's the it's the um, summoning of your higher presence light to give you information by way of a yes or no, either through a muscle test or a pendulum, which is often crystalline in nature, and um, it can, you know, channel that kind of energy. Um, but the key is, is, you know, I, I've heard for years, you can't really do it wrong, right? So the only reason you just have to make a move, <laughs> you know, as they say, bust a move, right? If you bust a move, and, and you feel really tense and knotted and tight about it, that's probably not the right move. So think about the, the other next best move to bust. <laughs> and, um, and just just feel your way like you're kind of walking through a room a little bit without much light and do your best. And then usually there's a, oh, I just hit a dresser, let me, you know, adjust my trajectory here. And it's the same thing with, with uh, following guidance. Exactly. And just to underline that when in doubt, do something. Yes. Don't be stuck. That's, that's torture. That is the epitome of suffering. And when you do the doing something, pay attention to the impacts so that you complete the feedback loop. That's the fastest way and the most dependable way that I've ever had for developing my relationship with my intuition and my trust of my intuition and my ability to distinguish or discern between what wants to masquerade as my intuition and what's actually my ego versus my actual intuition. Exactly. Yeah. So ready to move into takeaways? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay. So the first takeaway is... Develop your way of spotting when you're not accessing higher love, wisdom, or divine power, and use those ways that you have of spotting that. Um, Use them to practice spotting more and more and more of the time so that that ability to spot that little early alarm system inside yourself becomes second nature as a result of practice over time. Right, exactly. And you can also, you know, take note of phrases that work for you. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we're all going to have our personal ones, but things like if something shows itself and it's in your face, and this is a, this is something that, you know, needs to be, um, you know, your higher self needs to be included in, then you can say things like, I offer this up to my higher wisdom, or I surrender this, you know, that's what the meaning of obey means in, in the earlier texts of, of, of mostly, well, I don't know if it's in all the, all the pathways, but I used to have such a problem with that word (laughs) until I figured out, oh, that's just means surrender. It means offer this thing that I I'm all wound up about and need help around. And um, so those are the ways I say it now. Oh, and yield. I like the word yield too, because that's a, I don't know, that's just doesn't have a lot of triggers to it. You know, oh, let me just, you know, if you're driving on the freeway and a car asserts itself to pull out in front of you, most of us yield rather than crash into the car, right? So it's a similar idea. I'm just going to, I'm going to yield to my higher wisdom uh, on this thing, not only because it's in my highest good, but because I'm asking. 
Absolutely. Beautifully said. And the third takeaway is develop your phrases um, for asking for higher help and practice using them more of the time. Whatever that is for you. Again, we gave you hopefully a lot of ideas of possibilities for each of these steps during during this episode. Uh, we we want to encourage you to uh, to discover your phrases for asking for higher help. And once you've uh, you've uh, you know you've landed on what really fits for you practice using those more and more and more and more of the time until that becomes automatic for you as well. Exactly. This is the idea of building the muscle, right? And, and practicing to build the muscle and then also practice your back checking uh, things. And if you don't like, you know, muscle testing or pendulum or any, you don't, don't use anything you don't like, but if you're attracted to something or maybe you'll learn, and maybe you're an inquiry with your higher self, can you show me how to best make sure that I'm hearing you clearly, right? Like that could be a beautiful inquiry to live in for as long as necessary until you got clarity around that between yourself and your higher presence, your higher self, your source of life. Um, But the key- Sorry. I was just going to add that uh, that again in the in the spirit of we want you to discover what works for you. We're just offering you a buffet of possibilities. Right, some place to start at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we're we're saying to you that part of accessing higher love and wisdom is you discovering what actually works for you rather than looking to an intercessory to decide that for you. Exactly. Yeah. Training wheels, if you will, but you will learn how to ride your own bike because that's your design. That's all of our designs. Yep. Super. So I think that leaves us with a little teaser about what we're going to focus on in our next episode. Yeah which is mental, emotional self-governance. So this is about taking governance and, and shifting it inwardly, because if we aren't in self-sovereignty, it's going to be really hard to be sovereign uh, in, in our ways of making a difference out in the world. So next episode is on mental, emotional self-governance. And with that... Until next time, remember to dance with your better half, the one thing, so you can keep living more and more fully as Homo Spiritus.